0: I was one of those, I remember them trying to give me a million dollar loan. I was like, that's stupid. Yeah, they were
1: just throwing money at me.
0: But I knew better.
1: Right, so you did I know money. Right. I,
0: You know, I, you I had to. You didn't
1: take more than you can handle. Heck no. Yeah.
0: I was like, there's no way. And, and I remember signing the first piece of paper and they were like, okay, this is a, a variable interest rate. And I said, what's the worst case scenario? And they said, 9%. I said, I need you to put the worst case scenario with this, you know, um, principal amount. What is the, what is it gonna be? Right. I said, okay, I can still handle that. All right, right. moving on.
1: From Fiori Communications, it's How I Got Here, a show of inspiring stories from Tallahassee area leaders, business owners and neighbors, all the challenges, opportunities, inspirations, the twists and turns of life that led them to where they are today. Everyone has a story worth telling, and I am really grateful that we get to bring a few of them to you. I truly have been changed by my conversations with these amazing people, and I'm confident you will be too. I'm Dave Fiore. In this episode, I speak with Ellie Rosario, business manager at Jackson Properties. Ellie's story is one of rising above circumstances and obstacles to achieve her dreams, no matter how unlikely they seemed at the time. After getting pregnant during her senior year at Lincoln High School, she was told her life was over. She not only finished high school as a mom, but went on to FSU and later earned an MBA. Ellie says she was often caught in the middle of racial divides that had little room for Latinos. During one period, she was homeless, jobless, and carless. But soon after pieced together enough funds to purchase multiple homes while making less than $40,000 a year. Ellie is a triathlete, has qualified for the Boston Marathon, and is a popular author and speaker. But most important to her, she is a very proud mom of three who makes very clear that they remain her priority. We began our conversation talking about life growing up in Puerto Rico.
0: There was a time that we lived by the beach, and I think that time really um, had an impact in my life. Till this day, um, my grandma my brother and I would, you know, come home from school. My grandma would take care of us um, when my mom was working, and we would eat. We would watch the news, and then we would go on a walk on the beach for like two hours, and then we come back and watch novelas. And then whenever the novelas were done at nine o'clock, I know, yeah, soap operas. They're so different than the ones here, though. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, um, we watch the novelas, and you know, of course, do our homework, but we were pretty young elementary school and then then we would sit in the balcony and watch the stars and the you know and read and just listen to the waves because we were really right there. I mean, we lived in a condo right by the ocean and that was impactful. And then we moved to a house that kind of was more inland, like in the um, Rio Piedras, basically. So I went from Isla Verde to Rio Piedras. And then it was more like city life, right? Like you're walking everywhere. I would got, walk to school. Um, and then you get to hang out with your friends in the neighborhood and that kind of stuff.
1: How old were you when you moved?
0: <sighs> Fourth grade. So whatever okay. that was. Um, yeah. But I mean, living by the beach was just...
1: Did you miss it when you moved away?
0: I did, and I still do. Um, I miss the water.
1: We know Florida has a lot of beaches. I
0: know, and sadly enough, I have not gone to the beach this year just yet. (laughs) (laughs) I have two trips coming, but I'm going.
1: Right. So I'm curious, when you grow up in Puerto Rico, how do you— how do you balance your heritage as a Puerto Rican and also you're an American? So how does how do those two things play together?
0: Ooh, you are I'm, going. We're going oh right God, in there. Like, yep. <laughs> I got the goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was hard when I came to – so we moved – so when I came to the United States, we went to Tampa first. Okay. Um, and I was there for about 10 months. There was a little bit more diversity there but still a very big contrast. Um, when I came to Tallahassee, it was yeah. – it was it was huge. It was not good in 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 all the sense of the way, but but I still like. I will always say I'm Puerto Rican first. Mm-hmm. You know, so does every Puerto Rican out there. Sure, <laughs> um, we have our flags hanging in our cars. You know, yeah. we have our. I never not thought of myself as an American either. You know that that was.
1: I mean, it's a pretty unique situation, it right? Is we as are, a territory.
0: It's like golden. We are. Yeah, yeah. we we are just. And I can't relate to a lot of the other um, Hispanic issues and, you know, because living in Puerto Rico, somebody asked me a couple of days ago, I'm like, living in Puerto Rico is like living in Miami. Like it's a big city, you know, you, you've got the cars, you got everything. And of course, where I lived in Puerto Rico, like I didn't live in the mountains or anything like that. So where I lived, it was, it was city life. Like when right. I first got here to the United States, to Tallahassee, people were like, so do you guys live in Tippies? And I was like, what?
1: Did you speak English from an early age?
0: Yeah. So my I understood it. Um, back home, I went to a private school, and all my books were in English. Um, we had an English class from the minute you start school. Every single school okay. over there has an English and a Spanish class. Um, my mom was born and raised in New York, and then they came back. Um, okay. So I understood it. I just didn't you know, speak it Um and so I would I would read the books. But when you funny. got home, it was all Spanish. Oh hundred yeah, yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. So like I would read the books in school and the books were in English and then I'd have to translate because the tests <laughs> were in Spanish, you know. <laughs> right. So we would that's that's how it was. So when I got here, um I mean you're a little bit timid, of course, and it you know, it takes a few months to learn it. And the southern draw was really difficult to understand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so that was a big deal to leave the island for you as a young teenager, right?
0: Man, you really are taking me back. Like, I... Wow. Yes, January 14th, 1993. Wow. I was bawling (laughs) the entire flight, you know. I didn't want to leave my friends. I thought I'd gotten at a point in my, you know, young life that, you know, I I have the group of people that I want to surround myself with, and I had really good friendships. I was in honor classes in school, so... It it was good, and then all of a sudden you're going to take that away from me. Right. So it was – yeah, it was hard.
1: Okay. I can't can't imagine. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So you leave Tampa after a short period. You end up in Tallahassee. And then you go straight to Lincoln High School. I do, yeah. So I'm sure that was another transition. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) puke. So that was rough, right? That
0: was really rough. Um, The black and white divide here is – it's a, it, I don't even know what word to use. But No,
1: this was pre-Chiles Lincoln. Oh, right? 100%. Yeah, way before. So Yeah, yeah. this
0: is 1993. Right.
1: So there was Killarne kids coming f- to Lincoln. There were kids who lived more right in the neighborhood. And so there was a lot of of black and white diversity, right? But not yes. a lot of other kind of diversity? Is that?
0: I think there was like six of us. Okay. <laughs> six yeah. Hispanics. Um, my brother, myself... Um, Or the family that we knew, there was three kids of theirs and, Mm. you know, who is, he's still my best friend. Um, And I think there was two more.
1: But community was tough. Yeah. Finding friends.
0: It was, um, it was interesting. God, I don't even know how to say this. That doesn't sound horrible, but the white people embraced me. Um, The black girls hated me. The black men wanted to date me. (laughs) Like... It, it was tough. And those
1: two th- those two things, were they correlated as far as why one group didn't like you and the other one? I
0: couldn't did? understand it because right. back home, I mean, my mom is, her complexion is white. She dyes her hair blonde. So my dad was, you know, the mixed one. My grandma, you know, so my best friend back home was blonde hair, green eyes. And then I had, so I, I just didn't. There was no divide, at least mm. the way I grew up. There really wasn't too much divide in that way. But here it was like, no, like it is strictly here's the this line, and you don't cross over. So that was that so was. So you had
1: to choose. I mean, I how, don't, where did I you don't fit think into So
0: that? and then the the other part is maybe in Hispanic, right? Like our culture is completely different than here. I'm very lovey-dovey, touchy, touchy, like kisses, hugs, like you know. And so I was being called names and, like, I was being called a flirt and I didn't even know what a flirt was.
1: Oh, right, right. <laughs> and yeah. so
0: I was like, what is that?
1: <laughs> right. You're being too friendly, yeah, too I'm being touchy. Too, yes. A, yeah.
0: And I'm like, hey, what's up? So I'm the same with everyone. So it, it, was, it was tough. It took me, I would say, probably several years to say, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to be who I am. And, you know, I'm just... That, that's it. There, there's nothing else I can do. Um, because I can't, they obviously don't understand that there is different cultures um, and different ways of doing things. And that's okay. Um, so I'll just be who I am. Right. And, and this, that's what I do. <laughs>
1: um, as a, I was a band person in high school. And so in groups like that, that is a tendency to break down those kind of barriers. If everybody's Working towards something together, nobody cares if your trombone player is black or white or whatever. It's, it's Everybody's working towards something. Did you find community in any organizations or clubs or anything?
0: No. Beca- uh, so a couple things. One one of the biggest things. So when I got into Lincoln High School, there was a couple friends that I I was like, okay, th- this kind of works. But then on the weekends, everyone wanted to drink. And that was foreign to me. Mm. I'm like, oh, this is... This is not what I want to do. And I never did. I've ne- I never went to a drinking party or any of that kind of stuff. It just didn't interest me in any way, shape, or form. Um, I enjoyed working out. I enjoyed being active. I enjoyed hanging out with friends. I enjoyed dancing, which you know, that was another issue, but um,
1: Because you danced in a different way? I
0: dance, yeah! Like, <laughs> I can dance without alcohol. Woo, what a concept. <laughs> it's in my veins. Like, right. I feel the music. <laughs> um, when I try to teach people, I'm like, just close your eyes. I was like, don't you feel it? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I feel it. <laughs> um, so I didn't really have that. I, I hung out with friends that didn't do those things basically. Um, And then I, you know, I got pregnant. So I didn't really have the opportunity or time because I was in my, I mean, when I got there, it was probably what my sophomore slash going into junior year and my senior year, I was pregnant. So I didn't really um, was part of it too much.
1: So how did, that's obviously a big point in your life to be pregnant (laughs) as a high school senior. So how did, how did that impact your trajectory and and your goals and what you were, I mean, how did you deal with that curveball?
0: Every day. (laughs) (laughs) No. I
1: mean, did you stay in school? Oh, hell yes. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. So that was, um, it was interesting because... My mindset has always been like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do this. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, oh, okay, so I have an obstacle. This is my obstacle. Now I was my mom saw it differently. So I didn't even tell my mom I was pregnant until I was pretty pregnant. Mm. Um, I was able to hide it, for lack of a better word. Um, I wasn't showing as much. And then and then all hell broke loose. You know, I got kicked out of my house. I got sent back to Puerto Rico I had to come back. And I mean, so I've been on my own since I was 16. Um, so Mm -hmm. I, you know, for her, I remember sitting down with her and she was like, oh, you're not going to go to school anymore. And I'm like, says who? Like that was not even a thought yeah, not to go to school or to forgo it or, or to not continue. So I didn't understand that. And I said, why, why wouldn't I go to school? So I just have a kid, like it's okay. So
1: I assume you didn't get a lot of support from the father.
0: No, 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 I did. You did? A hundred percent. Oh, good. A hundred percent. That was another distinction. Like, I mean, no, we were together for a couple of years. Um, we were pretty much forced to be together. Um, wow, you're really getting into some right. stuff here. So you didn't
1: have to walk <laughs> through all of that completely by yourself?
0: No. Um, only about three, four years. Yeah. Three, okay. four years of it um, was we were together. I think Nikki was probably four, five, when when we were not together anymore. Okay. You know? um,
1: Because that's, I mean, imagine you were pretty scared. I mean, you were determined, but there had to be some fear of at least the future, right?
0: No. I'm, I'm looking at you asking me this question, and I was like, no, I wasn't scared of that. I didn't. My mom was a single mom. You know, every woman that I knew was a strong single woman um i never no i didn't think about that actually okay i would just think <laughs> That's as a kid because you're a kid i'm a kid but i'm a smart kid <laughs> 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 obviously not smart enough not to get pregnant but right. i would you know i i had a good head on my shoulders okay. yeah i i i yeah, I no, I wasn't okay. scared of. So you're in ready that to sense. take this on. I'm ready to take it on. Like bring it. You so know, I
1: don't want to skip over a couple details you threw out there. <laughs> so you were sent. You were sent to Puerto Rico.
0: Oh yeah. So I got kicked out, and then she got mad. And while then she, you were
1: still pregnant. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. And then you know she sent me back to Puerto Rico, and then I was with my grandma, and I was like, hey grandma, I want to go to school. Like if I stay here in Puerto Rico, this is not the same. Right. Like I live in Tallahassee. It is the easiest place to work. Take care of a kid and go to school because everything's within basically almost walking distance, Mm -hmm. you know. So if if I'm going to do it, this is where this is the city where I need to do it. Right. Um, So I'm going to let can you help me get back? And then, you know, there was there was a lot. There was a lot of drama between, you know, what my mom was saying and, you know, what what the reality of it was and, and that kind of stuff. And so then my grandma believed in me. My grandma's like, okay, so she helped me and my and my uncle and she helped me get back here. Um, kind of, I mean, it's a lot like my mom wanted to take my kid away. So the only way to emancipate myself and not lose my child was to marrying Nikki's dad. So then I, I had to do that, you know, so there was,
1: yeah, there was a lot yeah, <laughs> that went so. in there. Yeah. But at
0: the same time, I'm like, A, no one's taking my kid away. Um, and B, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like, you know, at that point I always wanted to be a physician, like both of my parents were, but you just pivot. That's not an option anymore because I remember how hard it was for my mom, you know, to be a physician, to be a surgeon and to take care of the kids, also known as she did it, and my grandma did. Right. Um, and when she – I think I was in third grade when she had to go to New York for a year or something. So I didn't want to do that for my kid. Like I always had – you know, okay, I see the behavior and it's like, okay, don't do that. Do something yeah. different instead. To
1: recognize it and decide am right. I going to continue it or change.
0: Correct. Right. So from a young age, um, you know, of course I've made many mistakes. But I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound like – that doesn't look like a good idea. Let's pivot. Whether my mom was doing it or my grandma was doing it or whoever was doing it. Right. Um, but, you know, we – so then I got here and, you know, I had my child and, you know – I went to school. Like, I got accepted into Florida State, um, which was huge. And Nikki, my baby girl, was sometimes being in class with me. She celebrated one of her birthdays in a Barry Solomon's advertising <laughs> class. <laughs> and the whole class, and happy birthday to her. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs>
1: So, was your plan always to go to FSU? Is that the school? Was it convenient because it was here in town? or it was convenient.
0: Yeah. I didn't really have a plan on which school to go to, um, but I made my uncle super proud and he's like my dad because I didn't realize that he wanted to go to that school, okay. but it was an old women's schools back then. When I got in, he was super proud. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you know, those things that I don't think about daily. Right.
1: And you studied communications,
0: communication with business.
1: And while you were in college, you were working at Publix. I was. Okay. I worked
0: at Publix for for sure the whole time. But the, there was times that I worked at Publix. I worked for the state. I had an unpaid internship. And at that point, my girl, my the my daughter's dad and I were no longer together. So. I was working. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So. I'm a Publix girl (laughs) for life. (laughs) So what did you do at Publix? Um, I got to be office staff, which is uh, the women in the office or the people in the office. Um, So I started as a cashier. Yeah. You know, I think I started with like, I want to say it was five, ten an hour, maybe four something. I just remember going to the Bahamas and this was impactful to me. And I couldn't afford the Oreo cookies by the hour. The price of the Oreo cookies over there oh, it, were it, more expensive more than, you made than in an more hour. than I made in an hour. Right. Um and that not only resonated with me, but that's how I taught my children how to think about money. Right. I like the people there. I, I met great friends, still friends till this day with some of them. Yeah. Same same with some of the managers. Till this day, I get recognized at Publix. Really? Because apparently I don't age.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good quality, I guess. Yeah, yeah.
0: So thank you, mom. Um, So they're like, God, how you used to work here or there? I'm like, oh, yeah. So actually the customers. So I used to work at the one on Mahan, Mm -hmm. which is no longer there. Right. Where Big Lots used to be. And then I transferred to to, um, Pensacola, the older one, not the new one that they have there right now.
1: Club Um, pub.
0: You know it. <laughs>
1: yeah, that one has a reputation. Yes.
0: I will say the times that I didn't have my daughter, that she was um, with her dad, I would go out. And again, I, I I never drank, so that's not my thing. I would go out. The, cl- the club closes at 2, right? Well, not the Hispanic one, because then you go to Atlantis till four. Wow. They, they couldn't sell alcohol, which, again, I didn't care. It was just right. so then I'm out there till four. I had to work at 730. <laughs> so then we would go out because my friends, you know, I was driving them around. And then I would go home, shower, and then zoom down Tennessee Street at 730. <laughs> Start your shift. <laughs> Start my shift. Yeah. <laughs> but I met great people there. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about leadership and management. And again, it was Looking into the things that, oh, that doesn't make sense. Let's not do that when I'm in that position. Yeah. I I was able to do a lot of that.
1: Using everything as a learning opportunity? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, Erwin would be so proud (laughs) of hearing you say that.
1: (laughs) Um, All right. So you graduate and then you start an insurance job at Brown and Brown, right?
0: No. Before that. So I graduate and I don't know anybody because here I am thinking this degree is going to take me farther Well, it's about who you know. It is. And it took me many years to learn that. I had no idea. Because remember, all my friends were at Club Pub. What did they they do when they graduated? They left. They left. So I was here alone. My mom had left. Like, I had no network. I didn't, you know, my relationship with my mom was not solid. I knew no one. So I'm like, oh, this degree is... It's not the golden ticket. Like, wait, what? Yeah, so not by I, itself. Yeah, right. I need I need more stuff. So I started working at a radio station, um, Cumulus Broadcasting. Okay. Yeah, Down Tharp. So I worked there for I think almost a year, Um and oof.
1: And what, what were you doing there?
0: I account executive. Okay. You know, you're just yeah, selling, selling ad. Time. ad yeah, yeah, selling okay. ad time, and I hated it. <laughs> 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 I don't. I didn't enjoy it. I met good people again. And again, it was such a learning opportunity to like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Um, You know, you could see people that had been in the industry for a while and that they were, you know, either some were super happy, some were not. You could see the people that were in drugs like you could it just it was a lot. Um, And that's when that whole black and white divide came in again. I sat down with the, my boss at the time, which I believe he's passed away now, and he said to me, so I was, I was dealing with the um, urban stations, and he said to me, I hired you to get the white men, and I didn't know how to take that, other than I'm out of here. It's like, you're pretty, you're this, I hired you to get the white men to sell to these stations, and I was like, what in the hell is this? Um,
1: yeah, I, c- I, I can't my believe somebody stomach, would say that to you. Oh, hundred
0: <laughs> um, percent. So I, I didn't know how to take that. There were instances in there that, that again, there was a black and white team. It was tough. Um, the the um, Anthony who also died, unfortunately, he took me under his wing and he helped me. But when this guy said that to me, I was like, "Wait, what? I don't, yeah. I don't think so." So I, Mm -hmm. within, I I mean, I made a mistake because I quit, but within 24 hours, I quit. I had kind of made a few comments to some of the other um, people that sell. And I was like, one was black and another one was Hispanic. And I was like, what does this mean? Like, what do you, I'm 21 years old. I still, I'm not understanding the cultural divide here. Um, I was in college. So, and while in college, I had a lot of diversity so I wasn't in the real world, for lack of a better word. Right. And I just quit. Yeah, And it was a stupid decision because I had a kid to take care of, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> you don't want to be in that environment. I don't, yeah. but I mean, I learned a lot from that environment. And from there, as as a matter of fact, the reason I ended up at Brown & Brown was because I started making connections and learning what networking was at that mm-hmm. environment. I remember this girl that came in to show us the sales software And I kind of clung on to her. I was like, hey, and she's the one that pretty much taught me about relationships and networking. And I'm like, "Okay." And I mean, that kind of comes naturally to me. I'm a friendly person. I have no problem saying hello to people. One of the, oh, man, interesting enough, because I ended up jobless, homeless and carless that same time period. And that was a summer because my kid was with her dad. So and what did you do? So I had a few weeks to figure out what to do. Yeah. And my mom, um, again, my mom's relationship and I has been back and forth. So we, I had moved out of my apartment with my brother and she said, oh, well, come live with me for a little bit and that's fine. Well, no, she didn't really mean that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then what did I do? So. What I learned from the radio stations, from those people, one of my accounts co-signed an apartment for me. And he was a young kid. And he said, don't screw me over. And I would never co-sign for anyone. Right. And I said, I'll, I won't let you down. I, I saw Brown and Brown as another of those, when I'm in a position of leadership, management, power, whatever you want to call it. These are the things to note for. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do that. Um, So I, you know, and I met good people along the way as well. Right. So, but I wouldn't go back to insurance. (laughs) No. But it was
1: a good job and met your needs at the time. It did. I mean, I was
0: able to buy the house that I'm still in um, through that job. I mean, I took advantage of the, was it the great Recession, is that what they... In like
1: 2008, 2009? Oh, 2009. I took advantage of
0: that yeah. because when I left Publix, um, I had I had been vested. So they give you stock if right. you work a certain number of hours. So I worked for five years. I was vested and I had, I don't know, $3,000 or something like that. And I remember talking to my, my daughter's godmother's um, brother. And he was into real estate. And I said, hey, I have this money. What do, what do I do? Um... And he said, put it in real estate. So I was 25 when I bought my first house.
1: That's an awesome time to buy real <laughs> estate if you didn't have real estate. Oh, man. Yeah. Let
0: me tell you. And it was great because I don't know. I, I feel like I blacked out completely because I don't remember where I got this shift of all of a sudden – I'm going to do real estate. And I think it was Mm. between my friend Jim that encouraged me, my girlfriend Sarah, who's still my girlfriend till this day. And we are buying houses together. Like, and all of a sudden I buy my, I call it my big house, but I I buy a town home and then I buy the town home next door to the town home. And then I buy a beach house and then I buy my big house, all making less than $40,000 a year.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But that was the right time. The bubble oh, had burst. Prices were way down. No, right? It
0: was before it burst. It was I, before I did. I took advantage of what the banks were doing to, like, as an advantage to me.
1: Oh, I got it. So, so you I, were able the, yeah, not the best l- lending. <laughs> Practices. Well, actually,
0: actually, I was one of those. I remember them trying to give me a million dollar loan. I was like, that's stupid. Yeah, they were
1: just throwing money at people.
0: But I knew better.
1: Right. So you didn't. I know
0: money. Right. I, you know, I. I you had
1: didn't to, take more than you could heck handle. Heck no. Yeah.
0: I was like, there's no way. And and I remember signing the first piece of paper and they were like, OK, this is a, a variable interest rate. And I said, what's the worst case scenario? And they said, nine percent. I said, I need you to put the worst case scenario with this you know, um, principal amount. What is the, what is it going to be? I said, okay, I can still handle that. All right, moving on. And that's kind of how I did it. Like in my head, that didn't make any sense. Like the people that were like, oh, my, my income will freaking triple in six months. No, I knew that. I knew better. And, and I am very, very conscientious of money. I mean, I, I've had to raise a child on my own, you know, I have to take care of my own. So I just, I just took advantage of the situation. And used it To my favor, yeah.
1: So when the recession did hit, you Uh, didn't go underwater. Nope. You were good.
0: Nope. I held on. I still have those properties. I still live in that big house. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I want to step back for a second. Why did you decide to stay in Tallahassee? After you were done with school, (sighs) you could have gone anywhere, done anything. What made you want to stay here?
0: I could have without a kid. Hmm. I had – so all the friends that I had that – left they went back to family hmm. or they went with the su- financial support of family right. i didn't have that right i had to move somewhere and get the job and back then it wasn't as easy to get a job outside of the city you were in you either had to move and i did i did consider it i looked into you know north carolina i looked into atlanta i looked into orlando but i was not going to sacrifice my daughter Um, so I just stayed and and made it work and then after a while I started discovering all the things that Tallahassee had and I started enjoying it and things like that Um, it's so ironic because I never in a million years thought I would ever lived in Tallahassee right like till this day people are like why are you there Right. Why, I mean, look at you, you're Hispanic, you're this, you're alive, you're this, you're full of life. Like, why are you there? And I'm like, I have learned to love this place.
1: All right, and during this general time period, you you did earn an MBA. I did. Right? Mm-hmm. So what was your motivation to do that?
0: You know, I don't think I knew better. <laughs> I think it was just, you know, checking the box, you know, just trying to get better jobs, just trying to, um, you know.
1: Because that's not easy to get. I mean, that's a big no. deal.
0: And and It is. I guess looking back, it is, um, and I wanted it to be one of the top twenty-five schools at the time, mm-hmm. and Florida State was one of them. But I didn't want to go back to Florida State because not because I had already done Florida State, right. right? I was like, let me do something different. Sure. And at that point, I was working full time, taking care of my kid, you know. And I had tried, I had tried going back to school several times with a master's in communications. wasn't really liking it. I tried med school. Admi- not admissions person, but the counselor said, you have too many distractions in your life, also known as my kid. So, <laughs> yeah. It's <a, laughs> it kind of an rela-
1: odd judgment to make for you.
0: <sighs> oh, it's not because the same I got the same judgment at Lincoln High School from the counselor when I got pregnant. Your life is over. Just go ahead and get you your GED. As far as
1: going to college or oh, even yeah. finishing school.
0: Oh, yeah. Ms. Duncan was like, your life is over. You're never going to amount to anything. Go get a GED. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? I mean, she literally said that she to me. She literally said that to me. My daughter didn't find out on when she went to Lincoln. I was like, no, I'm not going to tell you who had said that. But now wow. it's public who said you know, it doesn't yeah. matter, but yeah. I got told that and I was like that's what I was told, but it, but to me those things don't crush me. I'm like, oh, it's just okay, whatever, you think that way, I'll I'll make it work. I'll figure it out. So I I got into Colorado State and they would send us the pre-re- the recorded Actual classrooms in a. It was like Netflix. It was like the DVD. Yeah. Like it was just like that. I would get the DVD. I would pop it in. I would listen to the class. Sometimes they had it live if they could. Um, and then you had people all over the world in the remote part. So we would have groups, and I completed it.
1: Two thousand five. You meet a guy named Irwin Jackson, and you start working at Jackson Properties. <laughs> I is that, do. So I, um, does
0: anybody know who Erwin Jackson is? I, I think. <laughs>
1: I think most of our listeners will know who Dr. Jackson is. Love him. Um, So you've served many roles there over the last 17 years or so. So tell us about your job, about Jackson Properties, and what it is like to work for Irwin Jackson.
0: (laughs) So I kind of tell people, I was like, I just run Irwin's empire, right? Right. (laughs) That's what I do. Um, You know, I don't have titles. We don't really have titles. And we can, whatever, I I tell people, I was like, if you want to call me CEO, VP, business manager, I don't really care. I said, the description of my job is from maggots to bankers and politicians. (laughs) anywhere in between. Right. <laughs> That's, I do it all. I, you know, all the sales or the marketing or the outside stuff or the maintenance or the contractors, you know, everything and anything. So
1: how did you get started? Was it because you owned property and yes. you kind of understood the I world got, or how well, did that happen?
0: Well, I got so lucky. I answered an ad in the paper. Back then I'd have to go to the interviews with straight hair. Again, go back to the divide. You do. You're straightening your I, hair. I, I'm straight. Well, not... Every day, just for interviews. I mean, for interviews. Just for interviews, yeah. Um, Because
1: you can't look too Hispanic?
0: Because people don't know what the hell I am. And then, you know, it makes some – it used to make people uncomfortable. Um, So it just was easier. I I hate to say this word, but I I could pass. So in either way, I've been in situations where I'm like, oh, my God, those people have no idea who I am or like what, you know. Um, So like –
1: Passing as like a tan white person?
0: That I remember this guy telling me that. I just thought you were the white girl with the tan. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: You had applied in a newspaper ad uh, and yeah. you had – because you had owned some properties and you understood what yeah, was going on. So
0: he told me later on that um, there was another girl that was – because I remember I was coming from insurance. I didn't – I've right. never – you know, done on paper, anything. you wouldn't be super yeah, qualified exactly. for Exactly. On right. paper, nothing. Um, but then, in, in in my resume, it didn't even have in there that I was an investor, that I owned at that time four houses or something like that. Like, that's my personal stuff, right? Right. It, when him and I started talking, and I said, oh, yeah, I understand. So then I shared about my properties, my rentals, and how I got it. And then later on, apparently there was someone else that was more qualified, but it takes a different stomach to be a real estate investor and I have that stomach. <laughs> right. So that's why he was like, No, you know you know what it takes because you have it. And I've been with him ever since. Right. Yeah. I started at the Basing Street office, seven fourteen Basing Street, um, and then now we're in Jackson Bluff.
1: So for people who don't know, tell us what Jackson Properties is all about. What what does the company do?
0: So we do off campus student housing. So Irwin has um, I call him the pioneer of student housing here in Tallahassee because he's had this since 1977, I believe. And um, he started purchasing houses and renting it to students. So, a lot of the houses in the airport, Mayhew, Akmer, um, and even what used to be called El Rancho is now Campus Circle. He bought um, and renovated them and made it better and just started renting it to students. So, we have now we have you know, townhomes, apartments, duplexes, um, but the things that we have the most is houses.
1: We're going to leave your vocational um, experiences now and move into some other areas of your life that I think you care about. And um, one of them is you are a distance runner and triathlete.
0: Yay! Which I know is
1: not something one does casually. So uh,
0: Wait, why not? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds
1: really hard, that's why. Um, So... Tell me about how that how you got started in in being a triathlete.
0: Wow. So I've always been – I've always worked out. I was um, – I want to say I started in second grade, maybe first grade working out. My mom took me to the gym um, at the Ritz-Carlton in Puerto Rico. Like it was next to – at the rooftop and we were having an aerobics class. And oh my God. Like I used to – I just got chills because till that day I've hmm. – I've been high on life, you know? Um, So when I was in college, I started running, and it took me five years to learn how to breathe through running because I would hold my breath and, you know, play tennis also. Um, But I was just always really active. And um, all of my friends had left because remember, everybody leaves Tallahassee, right? Right. (laughs) All my friends had left. I was working, I was taking care of my kids, and I was like, hey, what, what else do I need to do? And I started running long distance. I started getting associated with the Golf Wings Track Club. I started mm-hmm. meeting more people and enjoying that. And There's a great
1: community there, A right?
0: huge, amazing, incredible, supportive you know community. I have absolutely enjoyed every bit of it. I've been distanced from it the past few years because I've just been running on my own and yeah. just life, you know, in general. But um, that was you know it was just great so i started i started kind of combining my love for travel and and marathon so i would go places and then run a marathon you know so but then i realized that i'm not really built for long distance running all the time you know i'm not a skinny you know very skinny it was hard on your body oh yeah it was hard on my body yep. after i had emma uh, my hips move a little bit so it just i could only do so much so then yeah. i said okay well i know how to swim and bike let me, let me see. Mm-hmm. I was already doing marathons. So to me, my logical, maybe not so logical thinking was, well, why am I going to start with a sprint in triathlons? Let right. me start with a half Ironman, which is, you know, 1.2 mile swim, um, 56 So a regular <laughs> triathlon wasn't going to be
1: hard enough for Correct. You. I mean, right. I
0: was already running four hours. Mm-hmm. So why am I going to go? run for 30 minutes. That's not going to work for me. You know, right. I, I, want, I, want, I need long distance. I need, yeah. you know, long term here. Um, so I signed up for um, the 70.3 in Panama City Beach. And, and I remember the people, like, when I went there, some of the people were like, wait, what? Why? I'm so like, you
1: hadn't biked or swam oh, competitively
0: Heck no. Yet? No. Okay. The last time was at the YMCA in Puerto Rico.
1: <laughs> but you're like, I got this.
0: I got this. <laughs> like, I know how to do this. I definitely know how to bike. I mean, everybody knows how to bike sure. once you, you yeah, know. How hard can it be? Exactly, right? Or or if you know, you know, going back into it, it's great. Yeah. And then I just started swimming. I mean, and, and it turns out that I'm above average in all three of them. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I started. And then that community grew and grew. And that's when really my roots got settled in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Like when I started with the golf and track clubs and the, and the tri club and meeting all those people. And that's when I really, you know, 10 years later began to truly appreciate and have a love for this community.
1: You're also a writer and I a am. speaker. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about, you have two published books. I do. Right. Mm -hmm. So tell us about those.
0: So I have been writing since I was in Puerto Rico. So I was probably 11 or 12. Okay. And I didn't, you know, I guess they call it journaling now. And, you know, back then it was diaries and, you know, and, um, I fell in love with Pablo Neruda. Um, he's a poet and, poema numero 20 so poem number 20 and i remember reading that poem over and over and my friends were into it as well and i was like oh i could do that well i figured i could never but um <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. i can't <laughs> I, I can't do poetry uh you you i listened to enough uh ricardo arjona ballads then i will but mm-mm. right <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so i started writing and you know never thought of it so my whole life i have written you know i take notes you know like you see you see me here with a notebook yeah. you know um carried everywhere you know the beauty of the cell phone you have notes that you can carry everywhere and then you know at some point in my life actually it was Eve i never pre- ever was going to share my writings um for for many years my friend um curtis told me to do it and i was like no man i'm good like right. this is something i do in the dark this is for me um, this is my life. This is observation of the world. This is, this is how I process, you right. know, this is how I heal. This is how I grow. This is how I learn. And then Eve at the college of communication, this is Dean out there when I first met and he was, he looked at me up and down. He said, you got a story to tell. You got six months to give me a, <laughs> a script. So he just read you from just, I had never met the man. Oh really? <laughs> never. Right. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what, uh, how do you know? All right? And he was like, just just give it to me in six months. Hmm. And I was like, all right. So I took a little longer. I think it was like, I don't know, six, nine months or something. And I met with him afterwards. And I, I said, here you go. Here's the draft. Um, so that's kind of how that started. It, it was totally not something that I thought I was going to do. I kind of shared a lot of the stories growing up, which a lot of them I just shared here with you, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, a lot of the coming from Puerto Rico and and navigating through through here and, and being, you know, I like saying becoming part of the 2%, um, because less than 2% of teenage moms that get a um, graduate degree, less than 2% of people... Um, do triathlons and Ironmans and marathons, less than 2%. You know, so it was like I am in a very, very minute.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Not uh, 2% of single moms do triathlons. Right. 2% of people in general. Yeah, people in general. So,
0: yeah, so people in general. And then, you know, so when so I remember doing that uh, about myself. Like I would look up the statistics, the percentage of people that do this, the percentage of people that do that. And I'm in that 2%. Which was crazy to think, right? Um, good, whether that be good or bad, I, I think it's good. Or I hope it's good. Um, it's turned out to be good for me, um, but it was it was becoming that part of that two percent and, and raising my daughter and then having the jobs and then having the connections and just just.
1: What was the first book? What was the name of it?
0: It was On Your Fire. Okay, and so I I published it for a short period of time, and then it was it was one of those things that it was just putting my my learnings from my past what you know the challenges that i had with my mom the challenges that i have as a as a mom you know the challenges that i had with the jobs you know um and then the looking forward and then the second one that i that e was like you need to have it my march 4th (laughs) (laughs) was know your worth um and it's kind of Helping women, and actually, turns out that a lot more men than women read my books. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. um, I, I it's crazy. We have
1: worth issues too. I know, you know?
0: <laughs> I you know, I honestly, I never thought that I was writing for men, yeah.
1: Um, so we've talked, you know, quite a bit about Nikki I, and your my big baby girl, yeah, your big who's. Not a baby anymore.
0: <laughs> She'll be twenty seven. Yeah.
1: Um, but you also have two other children. I do. And so we really haven't discussed your life during that time and how they came about and Well, we all your know life. how they came well, about. <laughs> okay. We know technically <laughs> how they came about. But your you know, what your life was like then and you know, kind of we haven't filled in that gap of yes. your life with your two other children. So um how does all that fit in?
0: So when I was working at Jackson Properties, I think it was like a year end or something like that, you know, I, I started dating. And then, you know, like a year or two after, probably about a year after, then I had Gabe um, and totally on plan. You know, that's that's my precious boy. Uh, I was you know how the kids always fight about who's the favorite child. Mm-hmm and nobody can give in on that you right, know everybody right. has you know strengths and weaknesses sure. and i'm always like well you're my favorite boy
1: <laughs> yeah you can get away with that yeah i can yeah. get
0: away with that um and so i had him and then 2 years later i had emma and so i was in a relationship with their dad for you know 9 years or so mm-hmm. um, and it and it ended you know we went our separate ways it just wasn't what i wanted it wasn't where i wanted to be it, it wasn't who i wanted to be with
1: and is um, passing down your culture and heritage to your children is that a priority for you? A
0: hundred percent. They yeah. are, they all know um, Spanish. Yeah. I didn't speak to any of them in English for the first two years of their life. Really. Mm-hmm. I and it was hard here in Tallahassee. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would do it, and they would. We would get kind of outcasted at the playgrounds or things like that because you know. People just assume. I remember I was at Lowe's one time speaking to my son. Um, he was about two, and this lady was like, "Where are we in Cuba now?" And I was like, "Actually, we're bilingual. I just want him to learn another language as well." <laughs> this is the kind of crap that I, you know, that the oh, people don't man. think about, but I've, I've yeah. yeah, I've lived it. And I, the, the cashier was like what just like what I'm like and I'm not going to get in a fight because I'm not going to be the Puerto Rican crazy Puerto Rican that's going to start a fight with (laughs) my with my son in front of me like I'm not that person you know um you go do you and I go to me, which is I will teach my children two languages. Yeah. And they know two languages. I speak to them in Spanish. I
1: would give anything to be able to speak Spanish <laughs> at this point. But I I'm, know. I'm too old to learn it.
0: Now. Uh, no, you're not. Yes, I no, am. you're not. Um, and then the music, I've passed down the yeah. music. You know, we love listening to Mark Anthony. Now, they don't listen to it on their own, right. but they listen to it with mommy. I put this, the, Radio station that isn't that I used to listen to in Puerto Rico when mm. on Saturdays at the house, so I've definitely passed down some of that. And it's the and it's, dancing, too. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I taught my boy how to dance salsa and bachata, and I was like, You will appreciate this, and you will thank me later. <laughs> oh, yeah, believe me, <laughs> yes. this will be a
1: good tool to have in your toolbox, absolutely.
0: At some point. And yeah. there used to be points in times where they were like, Um. Mommy, if they wanted something from me, they knew how to get it. They just either A, speak Spanish, and B, do you want to dance? <laughs> of, what do you? Of course I want to dance. Right? Right. You know, <laughs> There's all these uh, videos of the Puerto Rican, you know, Hispanic mom cooking and dancing. And yeah. Gabe is like, yeah, that's you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How old are they now?
0: So Gabe is 14. So he's getting ready to go to um, freshman year at McClay. Right. And then Emma is 12. And so she's going to be in seventh grade at McClay. Right. Yeah. Okay. And they're sassy and they're just as tall as me now. And Emma is sassy as can be. So I say I'm energetic, Right. Right. And everybody's always like, how do you, can you bottle that? And I was like, I did. I made Emma. <laughs> so if you think I'm energetic, right. wait to you meet Emma. <laughs> right.
1: You've served on many boards over the years, focused largely on running and supporting women and children, or mm-hmm. sometimes both <laughs> combined. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you also participated in Leadership Florida and Leadership Tallahassee. Um, so what stands out to you in those experiences?
0: Oh man, you just got to, you just saw my grin, right? Um, Because leadership Tallahassee came to me after I directed the Tallahassee marathon and half marathon. That was such a huge thing. You know, I've always been doing my thing, but student housing is a very niche thing. Nobody really knows what you do. You know, I, I do well, and I don't really care for accolades or going into nationals or any of that kind of stuff. But when I did the Tallahassee marathon, um, for lack of a better word, it just catapulted me into this community. And my handprint is still on Duval Street, you know, with that finish line, that printed finish line. And I still look at it and just get so giddy. Um, but I once I did that, there were several people that came up to me. It's like, you need to apply for this. And I didn't, I, I hate to say it, I didn't even know what it was at right. the time. Yeah, And I'm glad that I did because I've met people that have been, great and influential for my life Um, I think everybody says that oh you'll have friends who are like nah like right
1: it'll be nice for a while but then I'll move on but that wasn't
0: it for me like I literally was texting one of them yesterday yeah you know, and and I've had really good relationship with some of the guys there, and I had, you know, I've ended up working with some of them. They're doing projects for each other and things like that. Um, and it was just about expanding my 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 network. Last night, I was like writing down in the middle of the night, you know come um contemplate the journey you know like just enjoy the journey enjoy the process right. and and i i think i sometimes forget to do that i try to get to the destination whatever that goal is yeah. and and i'm reminding myself no you know sit there during that journey just a little longer and and learn which i think i have done in terms of like learning things in there but i haven't appreciated it throughout Right. throughout the way yeah if that makes sense sure so yeah. <laughs> that was last night at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> my friend
1: <laughs> it's fresh fresh, it's fresh in the journal <laughs> um all right two more questions sure all right ellie looking back what is the one thing or person that you think changed or altered the trajectory of your life to this point
0: my daughter nikki there's i would not be who i am without her I would not, I, I had all the drives and all that stuff, but man, did I try to make sure that that girl was succeeded and wasn't part of a statistic or wasn't what everyone else told me she or I were going to be here in this community. Um, I, I mean, that's, that's my big baby girl. Like there's, there's, there's no favorites. There's a different kind of, um, love and appreciation and just, I'm such a proud mom and, She has, and I still, like, this weekend I told her, I said, what you have accomplished, most 40-year-olds don't get to do. Mm. And I think part of that is attributed to what I was able to do for her and how hard I fought (laughs) to make sure that I made it and then I made it for her. So I would say, hands down, Nikki.
1: (laughs) That's great. My final question, this podcast is called How I Got Here. Mm. So we've talked about all the things that have happened in your life to get to this point, where do you think here might be for you in three to five years from now?
0: Oh my God. So I'm actually listening to the book, Designing Your Life, <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: and this morning in the trail is thinking it's life number one, life number two, and life number three. Um, Three to five years from now, I still see myself at Jackson Properties. I I still see I I'm I'm there for life. You know, sorry, Irwin. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm um, sure he's okay. With I know. That. I think he wants me there. <laughs> but I still see me there. Um, the five years, you know, at that point, I'll be almost fifty. My all my kids would be eighteen at the point, and that's kind of where now I really get to have a second opportunity at at life in general, and to you know, I want to travel a little bit more i definitely want to continue writing i'm enjoying my life right now so i can't you know whatever comes at me in five years i'm sure that just like anything else i'm gonna say bring it let's tackle it you know i am in a good place um with everything family friends you know relationships romantic life and everything that i just want that to keep growing and to keep learning from it you know so it's not just all good um and those bad moments, low moments are, I want to learn more from that, you know, um, whatever those may be.
1: Thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe at Apple podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Thanks to my amazing staff at Fiore communications who pick up the slack while I'm working on these podcasts and to Troy Bloom for composing our theme music. You can hear more of Troy's creations on Facebook and Instagram at Troy Bloom Music. To connect with the podcast or suggest a future guest, follow us on social media or email us at podcast at